Good morning, everybody. Good morning to everyone online as well. It's so good to have everybody with us. If you have a Bible, let's go together to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this morning we are going to finish our study through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And uh, for those of you that may or may not know whether you've been with us or not, uh, Paul had come to the city of Thessalonica and uh, only been there for just a, a really short time. And so uh, he left the city, he left the church, and uh, through a series of events, he led uh, or sent Timothy back to check on them. And Timothy came back with a good report. And so Paul is writing now to commend them and to challenge them, to encourage them, to reassure them, but most importantly, to teach them in the things that they lacked. And so this morning, uh, we're going to close this book with his benediction to the church. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning of verse number 23, Paul writes, Now may the Lord, or may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. When you look at verse 23, you see that word there, may, that is indicating and showing us Paul is praying, and he's praying that they be sanctified. Now, what does that word mean? If if we say the word sanctification, what does that word mean? Well, it's the process by which God is saving us from the very power of sin. And the word there means to be set apart. And the Lord, listen, is working in our lives, increasing our holiness in the way that we live, right? Conforming us into the image of Jesus through our participation and cooperation with Holy Spirit who is within us. Okay, so we need to understand God is very much concerned with our holiness. Why? Because he's holy. Right. And because he is holy, he says, I want my children to be holy as well. So the place when he was talking to uh, Moses and he said, take off your shoes because the place you're standing is holy. When he left a spirit within us, he left a holy spirit. So God is very much concerned with our holiness, teaching us to be holy. This is the process of sanctification, that you and I would be intensely focused on God's point of view. So in this process, he's making us, that we would understand, I should say, that we're one with Jesus. So that the nature that controlled, right, uh, Jesus when he was here would be the same nature that would control us. What nature is that? The godly one. And that's going to make sense here in just a second. But notice that every area of our life is preserved, right, with this idea of sanctification. God wants to sanctify you completely. That's every area of your life. Because he also wants every area of your life to bring him glory. Now, some of us have grown up with an understanding that God wants us to glorify Him in our spirit, glorify Him when we're at church, but then like the rest of the week, we kind of have off to do whatever we want. But that's not Scripture. 
Scripture is is that we give him everything, he's worth everything, and that everything that we are, we have, and that we do is all to bring glory to him. Every part of us. Now, it is in this process of sanctification that you and I are learning to become in experience who we are in position. Now, who, where are we in position? Well, Ephesians 2, 6 says that we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That's where we are. You and I currently, right now, are sitting eternally and victoriously in Jesus. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, that's where you are. When I got saved and when you got saved, what happened? Well, the reason that we say saved and the reason there is a need for that, right, is because in the line of Adam, you and I were dead in sin, alienated from God, acting independently of God, enemies to God, under his wrath. That's where you and I were. But what happened? When we placed our faith in Christ, then Jesus took us off the line, out of the line of Adam, rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and placed us into the kingdom of his life. But here's the great thing, right? We're now on the line and in the life of Jesus. Eternity doesn't start when we die. Eternity starts the moment that you and I placed our faith in Christ. This is what Paul writes. We are in forever union with Jesus. And as our representative, Jesus did what you and I could not do on our own. And so the beauty is if you're in Christ, then you're no longer dead in sin. You're dead to sin and alive unto God. So when I look forward... I'm looking to this idea knowing that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. As I look back, I identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So whether I look forward or I look back, I'm looking at eternity and victory. And we talk about this here at Chilhawi, and of course we, we kind of you know package it up in a word that we say exchange life. But the reason this is so important is because every day I'm meeting people who have this thought. One day I'm going to climb up the Mount Everest of guilt and I'll have victory. Or one day when I die, I'm going to receive victory. And I want you to know that in Christ you have it now. In Christ, there's no mountain of guilt that you have to climb because Romans 8, 1 says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you and I are trying to do something that Jesus has already accomplished. And so we've got to identify with that because my identity is going to shape my behavior. It's going to shape my thoughts. It's going to shape my actions. What is my identity? That I've been called, I've been chosen, I've been loved, and I'm complete in Him. In Him. And I'll tell you why this, this makes me excited. Because of what He's done, I don't have to have the weight of the world on my shoulders. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Can I be honest for a second? I'm really stressed out this morning. I, don't, I, I didn't know I was stressed out until I was walking into the baptistry and I couldn't even say the right words. 
And so all the way back to my office, I'm like, I've done that a hundred times at least. How do I forget the words? And then I realize I'm stressed out. And I'm stressed out because I'm just going to be honest. That way you can pray the rest of the service. Some of you don't even have to, you don't even have to listen anymore. You can just pray the rest of the time. My Haitian daughter's on a bus. And praise the Lord, she's going from Haiti to the Dominican, so she's going to be safe. But right before, uh, or I should say right when I got in this morning, I realized that she's going to go through a city called Ganthier. That probably doesn't mean anything to you unless you watched the news this morning and saw that 17 Americans were kidnapped from that city uh, last night. And so I'm just stressed out. So I want you to pray. Because even Paul is going to say here in a minute, brethren, pray for us, Right? But but here's the beautiful thing. This is what I've been saying to myself. So I just want you to know, this is how fact over emotion works. So what I'm saying to myself, even right now as I'm speaking to you, is I don't have to have the weight of the world on my shoulders. Right? I don't have to get her through. Because if I had to get her through, I wouldn't be here. Right? If I, if I was the only one that could get her through, I'd be in Haiti. With a couple of you guys that are bigger than me. And we'd get her through. But, but see, the thing is, is this is what Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20. I died. And I think sometimes we see that and we're like, okay, so what? No, 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 you don't understand. That means I don't have to stress about it. I don't have to figure it out how to fix it. I'm not in charge of mending it. You don't have to come to me to try to heal it. Because I'm dead. In fact, what does he say? I've been crucified with Christ, right? I'm identifying with that crucifixion. So it's no longer I who lives, but who? But Christ that lives within me. And then listen to what he says. The life I live in the flesh. So with my stresses this morning and your stresses this morning, because all of us have some kind of stress, right? You can either look back at the week you came out of with some stress or you're looking forward to a week with some stress. But the life that I live in this flesh with all of its issues, what does he say? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because in Christ, you're whole. You're complete. The verb structure here in verse 23 says it's only God who can and will completely sanctify us. Through his word and the work of Holy Spirit, God is sanctifying every part of us completely. That means without damage through and through. Church, listen, what God starts, he finishes. I've said this a million times. God did not bring you this far just to bring you this far. God does not leave undone or unfinished projects. He is sanctifying us entirely. And notice he says, body, soul, spirit. Now, some people teach the body's two parts. The body and then the soul and the spirit that's kind of intertwined together. And not that I'm, I don't want to get into a, a theological argument with anybody. I don't believe that. I believe that man is a three-part person. And I'll tell you why. I believe that your spirit is your God conscious. That's how you relate to God. I believe the soul is the self-conscious. It's how you deal with others. This is also where your mind, your will, your emotions are located. And, and, and this is also here and in the body is where we deal with the flesh. Now, what is the flesh? The flesh is the old remnant of the person you were before you got saved. 
So when you got saved, right, your spirit was redeemed, but there's a remnant, there's a, there's a part of the old mark that I deal with in the flesh, in my body, in my soul, and in how I relate to other people, right? Because, and you're going to see this in just a second, whatever is in the center of my life is going to determine how I react or respond to all the troubles that are coming into my life. But God is wanting to sanctify me completely. So there's the part that relates to God. There's the part that relates to others. Then there's my body, what you're seeing here right now, my earth suit, right? And how I'm relating to the world. So when we talk about being in Christ and we talk about being redeemed, a lot of times we're talking about the spirit. We talk about salvation, this idea that we've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus, in his finished work, not by works. But I want you to understand that it's in the process of sanctification that God wants us to understand even more. Not just that you're saved, but you have assurance and security of that salvation. In fact, in Colossians 3, 3, Paul writes, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's pretty secure. Colossians 2, Paul writes that Christ dwells in all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Or that in Christ dwells the, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then in verse 10, that's why he writes, and you're complete in him. Listen to this. Who is the head of all principality and power? So there's assurance and security in our salvation. Because who has the power to take us out of the Godhead? Just think about it for a second. Who has the power to reach through God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit to pull you out? Don't say Satan because he says that he's the power of all principality. So don't say Satan can do it because Paul just Paul writes there, he doesn't have the power. You don't have the power. No one has the power because you're safe and secure in Christ. And then there's more. Because then we also need to understand that we're accepted. And I'm, and I'm telling you, this is where, you know, I, I believe a lot of people, they, they get really frustrated and, and they just say, man, I, I just don't know, right? But I love, when you, when you start looking at all of these things, you see how the power of God is moving. The end of Romans 8, Paul writes, if God is for us, who can be against us? So if we're in the Godhead, safe and secure, who can be against us? Nobody. Who can bring a charge against us? Who can condemn us? That's what he says. He writes in verse 35, who can separate us from the love of Christ? He starts listing things and then he, he says nobody can because in verse 37, he says, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, what can separate us from the love of God? And he lists down nothing, not even creation, which includes you and me. Because the life that we receive is eternal life, not temporal life. And because we didn't do anything to earn it, we can't do anything to unearn it. Which goes back to the fact, this is where we really kick back. See, a lot of times we're like, got it, salvation, okay, assurance and security, I want that. But the acceptance is where we struggle, isn't it? Because we'll say, I've accepted Christ, but I don't think he's accepted me. And the reason we say that is all based upon works. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. I didn't go to church. But you've got to remember that you and I are saved by grace and we're also kept by grace. 
It is not this idea that you and I are saved by grace and kept by works. The grace that saves us is the same grace that sustains us. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.6, we're accepted in the beloved. So he's sanctifying us in our spirit. Now, here's where a lot of people go. Because if, if I use the word healthy, most people tend to think body, right? Health is body. And so I've, I've been in this, I've been in this, in this, this place in the last year or so where I've been asking the question, you know, it, based on this passage right here, we need to be fit spiritually, makes a lot of sense, and very important, right? Can we say that? Shake your head, yes, you agree? Yeah, we all need to be fit spiritually. We, we need to be saved, right? But not only do we need to be saved, we need to live in the security and the, and the assurance of our salvation, knowing that we're accepted by God, that's just a good place to be. But then a lot of times we just stop there. And we don't think about being fit in our souls, and we don't think about being fit in our bodies, or we only think about being fit in our body. But just because someone looks fit doesn't mean they're in a good place. Nor does it mean they're going to heaven when they die. Because there's a lot of people, and here's the thing, understand, who have been redeemed spiritually, but still live carnally. So, whoa, 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 what do you mean? I mean that they have said yes to Jesus, but in their daily life, they're still allowing themselves to have a portion of control. And through this process of sanctification... We're learning not to be controlled by our flesh, but to be controlled by God. Because why would we want to be controlled by our flesh? This thing, why do you want to be in the driver's seat? It doesn't make any sense. Just think about it for a second. The Bible says that the flesh profits nothing. Romans 6 says your flesh, remember that's the remnant of the old you. So let's think about it for a second. If you're a believer... If you've, if you've been saved, then you know there's a difference between living alive in Christ versus living dead in sin. Amen? Okay, if that's true, why would we ever want the deadness of the old Mark to make any decision? But yet he does all the time. I was watching this show that had zombies. I know it's, it's crazy, but it made me think about the flesh. That's the, 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 that picture of the zombie. That's your flesh. It's acting alive, but it's dead, but it devours everything that it can get its hands on. And the only way to take it down is to destroy what? The head. Which is why Paul writes and scripture teaches that you and I have got to renew our minds. We've got to change the way we think. This is this process of sanctification. Like all of these things that we need to understand. Because here's what happens. Everybody's got trouble. Amen? Everybody's got trouble. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the pastor of the church or a person in the pew or at Starbucks watching. Everybody's got trouble. And I know you got trouble because Jesus said everybody's going to have it. And if Jesus says you're going to have it, then guess what you're going to have? Trouble. Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small, trouble's coming. So, there's got to be either a, a response or a reaction to thus said trouble. 
And the difference between either reacting immediately or responding by prayer and wisdom is all determined about what is in the driving force of your life. So when the trouble comes and self is in the center, self is in the driver's seat, and you're making the decision, then you're going to make this decision through a tornado of emotion. So, for example, you, you go in tomorrow, and, and right when you're walking out of your office, it's 4.59, your boss says, want to see you first thing in the morning. Oh, man. Now, for some of you, that, that may not be bad. That would be the worst ever for me. Like, if you just say, 4.59, I want to see you I'm like, see me now. I'll clock out. I don't have to get paid for this. Or I want to know what it's about. Like, am I in trouble? Right? Am I, am I getting written up? Uh, you know, is there more people coming to the meeting? Like, I'm going home. And here's what's happening, right? If I'm in the, if I'm in the flesh, there's a tornado of emo, I'm stressed out. Right? I start worrying. Should I tell my wife I'm getting fired? Isn't it funny how, that's the first place we go, right? Because when the boss says, I want to meet you in the morning, I'm not thinking he's going to say, you're the best employee we've ever got. Here's a bonus. I start thinking I've done something wrong. I'm going to get fired. We're going to lose our house. My kids are going to be homeless. We're going to move in with my dad and my mom. It's going to be awful. Then I get stressed out even more. And then Carrie, you know, because then you're not even you're not even talking at dinner, right? You're eating peas. You don't even like them. And she's like, honey, what's wrong? You're like, nothing. And then she starts crying. You're like, why are you crying? And she's like, why am I crying? Because you're a jerk. And then, right, the tornado, then you're like, I am a jerk. That's why my boss wants to talk to me. (laughs) Then I start feeling inadequate as a husband and an employer. I start feeling insecure, right, inferior. And by the time before the night's over with, here's the thing. Here's how crazy this can get. I'm thinking about it. I'm not even going to work tomorrow. I I got my resignation typed up. All because I'm in the center trying to determine what's best. And there's this tornado of emotion that's driving me, right? Not to try to find out what is the best that God wants or even what, what's the, you know, what's the idea. So then I just react. And it's hostile. Because when you hear the word reaction, I always want you to remember most reactions are overreactions. So then I either, I, sometimes what do I do? You, 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 you act out. You get abusive. A lot of action. You're yelling. You're screaming. This is why some of us yell at our kids, even though our kid didn't do anything wrong. Has this ever happened to you? You don't have to raise your hand because I know it's happened to a lot of us, right? You've had a very stressful day. Boss wants to see you. You're in the tornado of emotion. Kid spills the milk and you lose it. Ever happened to anybody? Don't raise your hand. Because it's happened to me, Right? You're like, how did you do that? And they're like, whoa. And it's not the milk that's spilled. It's your stress of trying to figure everything out. Some people don't do that. Some people clam up. Some people go to fantasy land. They get there via drugs, alcohol. Some people get there through Netflix. Now, listen to me. It's not wrong. To, it's not bad. I'm not, I'm not an anti-Netflix person. But I'm just telling you, if Netflix becomes your way of escape, that's wrong. 
Now, if you just got some free time and you're wanting to catch up on your episode of whatever, hey, that's all good. But if you're stressed out and you're like, I'm just going to binge watch this show for the next 13 hours so I don't have to think about life. Then that's sin. Some people go online for other things, right? To just try to get out of the world. I, you know what? My, my wife, my husband doesn't like me, so I'll just get online and find, you know, an expression elsewhere. And then some people clam up emotionally. This is where fear, anxiety, and depression all come in. But here's the thing. All of these emotions affect our body. Stress is killing us. As I've been thinking about how God can sanctify us, body, soul, spirit, I've been thinking a lot about our body. I started reading a lot about the body. You know, one of the things I learned I didn't know before is that your gut health determines your mental health. And so then I was like, oh, wait a minute, I've not had good gut health in a long time. So I'm thinking, I need to figure this out. One of the things I've learned, and almost all doctors agree, you know, we always tend to say, thanks, mom. You ever done that? You know, like uh, me and a couple of guys, I don't know why, but we thought we'd you know, grow our hair out. And uh, mine started curling. I was at my mom's yesterday. I'm like, thanks, mom, for the curly hair. It's, you know, that's a blessing. God bless you so much. Because we always want to blame mom and dad for everything, right? Grandparents, way to go. Grandparents, you got diabetes, now I got it. You had cancer, now I'm going to get it. But really, it's only 10% of, of, of you and I contracting anything comes from genetics. 90% is our environment. Because stress is killing us. See, in that tornado of emotion, it's not just affecting your relationships with other people. It's also affecting your relationship with God, if you're thinking about it. But it's also giving you ulcers and stomach aches and headaches. You're losing sleep and you're gaining weight. Did you know that in the land of the free that we call America, we have the highest amount of mental health issues than any place else in the world? We also are some of the biggest people in the world. Because the more we stress, the more weight we put on. You're like, what does this have to do with anything? It has to do with that God wants to sanctify us. And I think in the church, all we tend to think about is the spirit. But I want you to see, God says, I want to sanctify every part of you. And, and I'm excited about some of the things that God's really showing me because Carrie and I have really been talking about starting in January. We're going to kind of relaunch some men's ministries and some women's ministries to where we really want to try to dive into some of these things to be completely sanctified and start thinking about all of these things, not just one of them. Because, again, when he says completely, that means all of you. He, it's not just, OK, I'm good spiritually. So that I'm good. No, no, no. If you're not good then in, 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 in the soul part of you, then you're not good. If you're not good in your body, then you're not good. And I mean, some of you are looking at me like, dude, you're, you're meddling. You're, I'm, you're, I'm starting to get mad. And I don't want you to be mad. I want you to be set free. Because if you remember, maybe I should have brought up a picture. My kids call him 2016 dad. And for those of you that were here, 2016 dad weighed 70 pounds more than this guy standing here does. And 2016 dad, anytime stress would happen, had a God of comfort whose name was not Jesus. His name was Cheeseburger. I'm just being honest. 
I, I can't tell you how many times Chuck and I, Tony Pettis, Matt, whoever, we, we'd go over here to the, the China buffet over here next to, to Target. We'd go there all the time. And when you go to a buffet, you don't eat a little. You eat a lot. Then I'd come back, hour, hour and a half later, get the news of, of what the offering was on a Sunday. And if we met budget, I'm just telling you, because this is how a false identity messes you up. Good, good offering. I'm like, I must be a good pastor. I must be teaching the word. People are obeying. Praise the Lord. Bad offering without even thinking. I would call Susan. This was before I had to go gluten free. I'd call Susan, say, Susan, it's Pastor Mark. You want a hamburger, honey? Yes, ma'am. She would have it ready because I would at least walk down to burn a little bit of calories. And then I would be halfway through the cheeseburger, not the little one either. If you're going to have a God that's a cheeseburger, have it the big C. Be halfway through the cheeseburger and realize I've already had lunch. And you would think that you would set the cheeseburger down. But I didn't. I ate the cheeseburger and fries. Nobody likes a quitter. But we've got to figure this out for the glory of God. Because he wants to sanctify you. Notice what he says here. The God of peace. See, Jesus says trouble's coming. What do you want in trouble? Peace. The God of peace wants to sanctify us completely. Spirit, soul, and body. And so we learn then. See, because if, if I can remember, see, Galatians 5.24 says that God has crucified already. He's done the work. My flesh has been crucified with his passions and desires. So therefore, when the same trouble comes in, boss 4.59, want to see you tomorrow? And I know me. So when the tornado starts forming, what do I need to do? I need to say, God, my flesh has been crucified with its passions and desires. And so I don't want to stress about this. I'm going to surrender whatever this is tomorrow. Because most of the time, 99% of the time, that meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning is not bad. Right? I'm not getting fired. If I was getting fired, I got fired at 459. But we don't think that way. And then I remember if I allow the Holy Spirit to be in the center. And if I remember that I've died with Christ, the life that I'm living is the life of Christ in and through me. Which means I have the mind of Christ. I have the strength of Christ. I have the peace of Christ. To think through that meeting the way it needs to be thought through. To be able to deal with my wife and kids, milk gets spilled, let's just get some towels and clean it up. No need of crying over spilled milk. And then I respond. I don't react out of hostility. I respond with the fruit of the Spirit. And all because I reckon, that is, I calculate up the facts. that My flesh has been crucified. I surrender to Jesus and I'm abiding in Him. I'm resting in His satisfaction. Because when I worry, I'm not trusting And when I'm trusting, I'm trusting that God is bigger and he's more powerful. That his way is perfect, it's just, it's wise, and it's good. Because here's the thing, church. You and I cannot live the Christian life without Christ. And all of this, he says, is done to make us blameless. 
which means to live upright. Being blameless doesn't mean charges won't be brought up against you because charges were brought up against Paul and Jesus. It means the charges won't stick. There's no legitimate grounds for accusations. When people hear it, they don't even believe it. It means that if we've wronged others, we want to seek to make it right. And notice he says here, he wanted them to remain pure and holy before the Lord. Why? To be found without spot at his coming. Again, God is continually working in our lives to help us grow in holiness because he wants holiness to permeate out of our life. When people see you, God wants to be like, hey, there's Mark, he's holy. There's Clayton, he's holy. There's Hunter, he's holy. And then if somebody says, let me tell you something, I think Clayton's a cheat. Like, I don't believe that. I think Hunter's this, I don't believe that. I think Mark is this, I don't believe that. Because that's not who they are. And living in that should be how we want to live as well. Let me, let me ask you this. How do you want to be found when he returns? See, I think sometimes we think of, we think of places, right? I don't want to be found at this place. We've talked about that before, right? But really, the answer is, is I want to be found faithful. See, this is the fifth time that he's mentioned the return of Jesus. And he's saying this is important because when he comes, you're going to give an account of how you lived. You're going to give an account of, of, of how you used what you were entrusted with to glorify him and help others. Because look at verse 24. In the Greek language, the first word of the sentence is the most important word. It's emphasized by the author. Now, what do you think the first word in verse 24 is? In the Greek, it's the word faithful. In Greek, it says faithful is the, is the one who calls you who also will do it. All of the principles and promises of Scripture, our confidence in prayer, stands on the character of God's person. God is, is trustworthy. That's what he's bringing into focus. He's also, notice, described as the one who calls you. See, he's not just faithful until he saves you. He's faithful till the end. He's faithful all the time. He continues to be faithful. And this is what Paul is saying. See, the church had started well. And he says, listen, I want you to continue. God is equipping you. He's your strength, nothing else. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. Faithful is the one who is presently calling you. He's faithful. And for those of us in Christ, listen, you're not a Christian because of anything that you've done. You're a Christian because of who he is. It's not the effort that you expended. It's not because of some insight you discovered. God initiated it. He is faithful. What he starts, he's going to finish. He's never failed you, never will. Listen to Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun to work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Don't you love that? When he calls you to do something, he's going to make sure that it gets done. This is why you want to surrender to him. Takes all the pressure off you. It's not that you don't work. It's that you allow his power to work through you. 
That's what it means. He's going to grant you the freedom to step out in the Christian life and to recognize that what God has begun, he's going to finish. I, I want that to bring this help to somebody this morning. You're destined to be finished. Now, this is helping the person that's struggling with being accepted. You're destined to be finished. You're destined to be conformed into the image of Christ. That's why you're going through some of the trouble that you're going through. It's not because God's mad at you. He's not got the magnifying glass trying to burn you like a little ant. He's using this to conform you into the image of Christ if you will surrender to the process. Again, remember at the first part, he said, you're destined for affliction. It's going to happen. It's God's curriculum. And I'm telling you, when you and I believe that, then we take on the freedom to be able to deal with all of the things that life has thrown at us. And there's no anxiety left. See, think about this. There's no anxiety left if you live trusting God because anxiety and fear come in when we feel like we don't have what it takes. Well, you don't. And you don't have to. That's where my fear comes in. Right? When, when I get the 459 call, why am I afraid? I'm afraid because I think, I don't know, I don't think I have what it takes. But I gotta, then I gotta realize I don't have to. I died. And the life that I'm living in this flesh, with this issue, I'm living by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. God is faithful. You can count on him. Now, look at these last couple of verses. Because in verse 25, Paul says, brothers, pray for us. Because there's power in prayer. There's strength in prayer. Even the prayer of others. Can I just tell you, can I be honest? Because can, can I give you an update on where I'm at right now? As soon as I ask you to pray for me, no more burden. Now, you may say that's a coincidence. I think because somebody in the room really started praying. And if Paul says, I need prayer, everybody needs prayer. Right? Because I think sometimes we have this idea that like we might look at the person in the pew and be like, I bet you need prayer, but no doubt. There's no, I mean, Mark doesn't need prayer. Chuck doesn't need prayer. My Bible fellowship teacher doesn't need prayer. Deacons don't need prayer. Everybody needs prayer. I don't care how mature you are or how mature you think people are. Everybody needs prayer. We're living in difficult days and we're not going to endure without him. So we pray, God, help us, lead us, empower us, guide us should be a priority to pray for one another, pray for our church. And then look at verse 26. I don't know how many of y'all did this when you came in, but greet each other with a holy kiss. This was written pre-COVID. But here's what he's saying. Love one another and dwell together in unity. Now, we don't, we don't greet with a kiss, but what do we do? Right? Handshake. Embrace. Hug it up. Because what he's talking about is establishing a loving welcome. Now think about this for a second. There's a big difference walking into a room somewhere and people going, right? Versus, or even this, coming in like, hey, buddy. Which we all know is, I don't know your name. But it's a lot different when you come into a room and somebody says, hey, Mark, man, how are you doing? You doing all right? Carrying the kids doing good? Oh, it completely changes everything. Being greeted in a loving way makes you feel accepted, 
wanted, desired. Remember, guys, God didn't establish a church to be a building, but to be a people who would love him and others. Verse 27, he says, make sure the letter gets read to everybody. Why? Well, we've talked about it. There were idlers that were sitting in the congregation that had quit work and not do anything, and they needed to hear this. There were people that were teaching falsehoods about the coming of the Lord, and they needed to hear this. Why are we together? Because we need to hear this. And he says to all the brethren, without distinction, limitation, or exception, we, we, we come together to listen to this so that we can grow in maturity. That's the goal. Right? We come to get together to love one another, to stir one another up for love and good works. But the, the goal of us getting together and opening up the word is that hopefully we're going to learn something today that we didn't know. Or that we would be reminded of something maybe that we had forgotten or not thought about in a long time. And then he says in verse 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What a great way to end a letter. May his grace be abundant in your life. Because we need him every moment. And it's not just that God is saving you by his grace, but he's providing you with the power necessary for victory. And if you're if you're thinking, well, Mark, you know, I'm still just going to try to scale up that mountain, man, just drop the climbing equipment. And the question isn't, is there enough power to get me through? The question is, is the power switch on? See, God wants to sanctify you completely. And I think for a lot of us, we think about that and we think, okay, got it, spiritually. Just between me and him. Yes, and that is, and that's the most important. But he wants you to learn to live trusting in him and not yourself. Because your flesh profits nothing. He wants you to renew your mind. Not to live in this tornado of emotion that's driving us crazy. I mean, I'm just telling you, listen, and, and, and I, I'm going to say this, and I, and I want you to understand. I'm going to say this, and I, and I know there's other situations and other circumstances. I know it's not as easy as what I'm about to say. But there are a lot of people who are struggling. And immediately we go to a doctor who says, take this pill. And sometimes you need to. But sometimes we're taking a pill to mask, not going down to the root of realizing I'm in a tornado. And I just, every thought is not run through the mind of Christ or the strength of Christ. And, and listen, can I be honest with you? Sometimes I'll say to myself, no, I'm dead to that. And I'll try to think about it. And then it's, and your flesh is powerful. If it wasn't powerful, you wouldn't fight back and forth. By the way, Paul talks about that too in Galatians 5, Right? Verse 16, he says, walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. What does he say in verses 17 and 18? Your flesh and your spirit are warring against each other. Wouldn't it be easy if I could just say, hey, everybody, will you just turn the self light off and the Holy Spirit light on and just put a box around it and lock it up and you're going to live in the spirit the rest of your life? Wouldn't that be awesome? But can I tell you what's going to happen to everybody in the room and everybody online? Is we're going to fight through this the rest of the day. And guess what we're going to do tomorrow? We're going to fight through it the rest of the day. And for some of us, we're going to get up and be like, I'm, this is going to be a good day. I'm going to walk in the spirit. My flesh has been crucified. And you're going to walk into the office 
<clears throat> and somebody's going to say, hey, Mark. And the next word that comes out of their mouth, you're going to go straight from the spirit to the flesh. And so what do you do? You got to take that thought captive. Don't let it, don't let it, don't let it gain. Because if you let it hit the ground, it's going to spring up into bitterness. You're going to react in anger. Well, I'll tell you something. That's what we do. But then all of a sudden, man, we're not good spiritually. We're not good with the people around us. And then we're not good. Not sleeping. Not eating. My body hurts. And God wants to sanctify you completely. And I know most of you probably didn't come in thinking we were going to talk about all that. But I want you to know that God wants you to have freedom in every area. Because he wants every area to glorify him. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you for passages like today. But just allow us to talk about things that maybe we just don't talk about a lot. But God, I also want to pray for practical ways of, for all of us to understand this. And whether that's through Bible studies or reckon or sermons or maybe even at the beginning of the year, the things that we're going to be launching out and, and, and doing. God, help us to understand what it really means to be sanctified spiritually in our souls, in our bodies. Because I think a lot of times we're, we're really easy to say we want to be set free from a spiritual burden we have. But I think there's people, including myself, that want to be set free from physical burdens. From soulish burdens. And we're grateful to serve a God who wants to sanctify us completely. That's how much you love us. That's how much you care for us. You're going to finish what you started. So Holy Spirit, right now, as we have a moment to respond, maybe for some people that's to respond and saying yes to you. Maybe somebody that's here and they don't have a relationship with you. And, and we talked about being saved by grace through faith. We were talking about assurance and security, but... Maybe they've never made that first step. I pray that this morning would be a, a day for them to do that. Maybe it's just somebody that wants to surrender and just say, God, I'm tired of living in this tornado of emotion. When I can be dealing with the same troubles, because those troubles are still coming, but I can deal with them with the mind of Christ and the strength of Christ and the peace of Christ. Because I'm letting you live in and through me. Because that's where you're at anyway. Maybe it's somebody, a family that wants to come join our church. Whatever it is. Use us. Speak through us, we pray in Jesus' name. And amen. Let's stand together.